Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. I wanted to start by saying um, thank you for praying for us. Thank you for um, your support of us, your generosity. Um, this day is not about me, it's about Christ. Uh, but I wanted to thank you. Um, and I want to, I want, I want to grow in knowing each and every one of you. I feel like for the past five years, I've kind of been holed away either in my office or in the youth room. And, uh, I, I want to get to know each and every one of you more and more. Um, this morning, I wanted to I wanted to preach from Acts chapter twenty. So, if you would, you can turn with me to Acts chapter twenty. We're going to be uh, reading through. Uh, we're going to read verses seventeen through thirty-eight, but we're going to specifically look at uh, verses twenty-eight through thirty-two. But the reason I chose this passage is because over the last couple of months, all the work that um, I've been putting in, there have been times where I've asked myself, you know, is is all of this worth it? Um, and, uh, and and I'm sure there's times where I've talked to some of you and been explaining some of the process or the, the rigorous process of coordination. And um, sometimes you, you get this sense that people want to roll their eyes, that so much goes into it. And so this passage kept coming up in my mind, and I wanted to look at it and study it because we see that doctrine and teaching is very important. We, we see, uh, you know, this, this, the context here of this passage, uh, it, it's coming on the heels of this great riot that took place in Ephesus. The gospel was spreading forth. And people in Ephesus were coming to faith in Christ and they were repenting and believing the gospel. And this was turning that town upside down because people were burning their magic books and they're, they're burning their household idols. And this was bad business for the idol makers. And so this is the context into which uh, we find ourselves in this passage. You've just come, you've just come off this, this riot that's taking place and people want Paul dead. The word of God is spreading mightily throughout the land. And the, the apostle Paul, he is hastening to get to Jerusalem. Like he's trying to make it there for the day of Pentecost. So you got all this going on. I'm trying to put myself in his shoes with all that stuff going on. What would he be thinking? Like, what does he want to say to the disciples in that moment? So he's trying to get there. He's trying to get to Jerusalem. And, and, and the Holy Spirit in some way lets him know that along the way, persecution and imprisonment are coming for you. That's coming for you. So you got all this going on. I can hardly get to church trying to get, trying to get our kids ready and get here. I mean, this guy's trying to get back to Ephesus with all this other stuff going on. And so what does he want to say? What's the most important thing that, that the disciples, father in the faith, want to tell them? And so we're going to find out. Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. I do 
I do know where I am. Sorry. All right, here it is. This is God's word. Now from Miletus, he, Paul, Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city, imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course, the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert. Remember that for three years, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as we've been thanking you all morning and praising your name. We thank you for calling us out of darkness and into your light. We thank you for the precious blood of your son, Jesus, that speaks a better word than the word of Abel. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And we ask you to conform us, to make us more like Jesus this day as we hear your word this means of grace that you've promised to bless. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so we see in this passage, Paul gives a recap of his ministry. 
He's giving a recap of his ministry. And then we get this focal passage where he gives a charge to the elders. And so this is kind of a, it's kind of a job description or semi-job description for myself. And, and, and if this is even proper, a self-charge and also to the, to the elders here at the church. But there's application for the congregation as well. And so the title I have in the bulletin is Beware of Wolves. That's for the congregation. And for the elders, it's shepherd the flock. To myself, if I'm elected, shepherd the flock. And we see this. We're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to see a divine command. We're going to see a deadly enemy and a delightful promise. And so first, the divine command to to shepherd the flock. And in verse 28, Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And so look where he starts. He starts with self-examination. He starts with self-reflection. Pay careful attention to yourselves. How many a minister, how many a person, how, how many a believer has been so focused on everyone else, tending to other gardens or others' gardens, when their own heart is a proverbial landfill. There, there is this, this charge to take heed to ourselves, to know our own hearts, to pay attention to what's going in and what's coming out. And this isn't the last time that we see this from Paul. In 1 Timothy 4.16, he tells Timothy, he says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both your, yourself and your hearers. So, so there's this charge to keep a close watch on our hearts. We see it in the qualification for elders. Must be above reproach, sober-minded, self-controlled, a one-woman man, respectable, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, etc. And so we're to take heed. And so my charge to my fellow brothers in here is to take heed to your hearts. And of course, some in here are thinking, Josh, I'm not an elder. This doesn't apply to me. And I would submit to you today that all Christians, we are commanded to guard our hearts. Guard your hearts lest you fall. And so my encouragement to, to you is to please pray for me. Please pray for the elders, the leadership of this church, pray for one another, help one another, help us tend to our hearts. Remember that we must be vig uh, vigilant in tending to our hearts. He doesn't stay at the personal level, though. He says you must pay careful attention to all the flock, the whole flock. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. God makes a pastor or a shepherd. We're not, we, we're not self-called. It's God who calls someone to shepherd his church. It's God who calls someone to care for his sheep. It's not my church. It's not Richard's church. It's not your mama's church. It's Jesus's church. That's who we're called to, to look after. 
We are all, if you are a Christian, you are God's possession. He bought you by the blood of his son. And this just doesn't go for elders. This goes for each one of you sitting across from one another. This, this affects how we treat one another. I mean, at the most basic level, we're all God's creation. And by that, by, by that very simple fact that we are image bearers, we ought to treat one another with love and respect and honor one another, help one another. But even more so here in the church, if you are a Christian, you've been purchased by the blood of Christ. You are not your own. We can't treat one another however we please. We need to treat each other how, how Jesus has commanded us to treat one another. He purchased us by his own blood. I mean, look at the cost that he was willing to pay to purchase rebellious sinners. His own death. And so we ought to rejoice in that this morning. If you're a believer here, rejoice in that and you've been purchased. And remember that when you're interacting with one another throughout the day. That's someone who's been purchased by the blood. And he says, shepherd all the flock. I mean, this, the, the young, the old, the poor, the rich, the fun-loving, the cantankerous, we don't get to pick and choose one another. Of course, I guess you can pick if you want to join Westminster, but we are here. We, we, we can't pick and choose one another. We have to love all. Because Christ has paid the debt. And so we see that there's a, there's a charge to guard our own hearts. And there's a charge to shepherd the whole flock. Because the Holy Spirit has given us a divine command. He cares for us and loves us. We ought to care and love one another. But we, don't, we not only see the divine command, we see that there's a dangerous enemy in verses 29 through 31. See in verse 29 that the enemy comes from outside. The enemy's coming from outside to come in. A fierce wolf from the outside. And then in verse 30, we see them rising up from within. Fierce wolves will come in among us to take away weak sheep. They'll come from the outside and the inside, Paul says. Predators seeking weak sheep. Sheep purchased by the blood of Christ. Sheep under our charge. And obviously this could extend to physical predators and we, we want to take whatever precautions that we can and help one another to be aware of this possibility. But Paul here, he's talking about doctrinal deviance. He's talking about people who twist the scriptures. If we think back to our passage uh, that, that uh, Peyton read in Genesis chapter 3, what did Satan do when he came to Adam and Eve in the garden? When he came to Eve, he came with a, a, a word twisting. He's twisting God's word. We need to remember this, that wolves come and they distort doctrine. They twist the scriptures. And then we got to, you know, we ask ourselves, is Paul just blowing smoke here? Is this a real threat? And you just read church history and you see it all throughout. Think of Galatia. What did Paul say to the church in Galatia? He said, I'm, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him 
who called you in the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel, not that there's another gospel, but some here who trouble you and they want to distort the gospel of Christ. And so we see in Galatia, there were false teachings. People were adding to the gospel. What about Colossae? What did he say to them? He said, see to it that no one takes you captive by empty philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Or in Ephesus, we, we get some insight into what's going on in Ephesus when we read Ephesians and we read First and Second Timothy. Paul's pastoral instruction to Timothy, he, he says, you know, some are misusing the law. They're using the law unlawfully. Hymenaeus and Alexander, they've swerved away from the truth and they're pulling others away with them. And we've got to remember that Satan is a liar. He has been from the beginning. He seeks to destroy you. And the main way that he wants to destroy you is to destroy your faith, to destroy your confidence in the word of God, to keep you out of the word of God and to keep you in the word of the world. That's his main focus. Because sometimes we can think that doctrine, theological learning, all that, it's a bit much, that precision doesn't really matter. And when we, when we kind of swing into that, or pendulum swing into that ditch, we need to remember Paul's warning here. The wolves are coming in, and they may rise up among you or they will rise up among you. And we know when you read through 1 John, there were people who went out from the people of God because they were never of the, of the people of God, and they were claiming that Jesus had not come in the flesh. And so John goes after them in 1 John. And so we see that we have a dangerous enemy, and we want to be precise in doctrine. We do, but we need to remember this, because if any denomination gets the charge of wanting to be doctrinally precise, it's, it's Presbyterians. But the, but the other charge that gets leveled against us at times is that we're not very loving. And we need to remember what happened to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. We need to remember that when Jesus spoke of the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, he commended them for their doctrinal precision. He commended them for their discernment. But what charge did he have against them? He says, you left your first love. You left your first love. Repent. Turn back and do the works that you did at the beginning. Don't leave the doctrine aside. Go on, press on and pursue that and teach it and do it. But don't leave love out of the equation. And Dennis Johnson, in his, his commentary on Revelation, he makes a great case because I've always thought it was love for Jesus, and that may be a part of it, but, but Dennis Johnson makes the case that it was love for other people. It was the way that they treated one another. It was the way that they treated people who were not like them. That was the problem with that church. And so if that's us, may we repent. Keep doctrinal precision but pursue love of neighbor. And so as I was reading, as I was reading through this and I, and I was looking at this charge, um, 
I'm not going to run out the back door, but there's that temptation of like, this is too high of a calling and too, too big of a charge. And um, it, it, one can despair when you, when you look at it. One can, one, one can often despair when you look at this charge to shepherd the flock of God. But this last point, and we'll end with this, this helps us stay the course, or at least it helps me, because we have help. We have a delightful promise. And so we see this delightful promise. Um, he, you know, just when we want to slip out the back door, just when we run, want to run away and not do this, we've got to remember that the word of the gospel was spreading mightily throughout the world in Acts. And the word, think of this, the word has spread from um, modern day Turkey all the way to here in Greenwood, Mississippi. The word has continued to spread. And Paul is telling us that we need to, in this passage, he says, we need to drink deeply from the wells of God's grace. He says this in verse 32. He says, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And so he's commending us to drink deeply from the gospel the wells of salvation. Meditate on what Christ has done for you. Meditate on the person of Christ. You know, we need to, that's why we preach the gospel week in and week out. Some may wonder, well, why do we keep doing that? Well, it's because we need to drink deeply from it because we forget it five minutes after we walk out of here. We have to drink deeply from this. And then we take the ladle out and we pass it on to one another as we share the gospel with one another. The gospel is not just for unbelievers. The gospel is for believers and unbelievers. For unbelievers to come into the kingdom to repent and believe, but for believers to continue on in our sanctification, in our pursuit of holiness. The wolves want to lead you to a broken cistern. Pardon the crude expression here. The, the, the wolves want to lead you to the toilet to drink from the toilet to drink from the broken cistern that can hold no water. Jesus wants to lead you to living water, the gospel. They want to poison the well. The wolves want to poison the well, but we want to keep clean the well and to serve the clean, pure word of his grace, which is able to build us up and to lead us to our inheritance, which is kept in heaven. The only way to the Father is through the Son, Jesus Christ. There is no other way. The only way to the Father is through the door that is Christ, the good shepherd who not only watches over the flock, but who laid his life down for the flock. He's not a charlatan. He laid his life down. He, he, he put his money where his mouth is. He's the only one who has done so perfectly, the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. Jesus, I mean, think of this. Jesus, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he's praying, Lord, take this cup from me. Let this cup pass from me. What was in that cup? What was the cup that he was about to drink? The dregs of the wrath of God was about to be poured out on him on that cross. 
I've heard many preachers say it wasn't the beating that Jesus was not looking forward to, though I'm sure he, he wasn't looking forward to that. That wasn't the main thing. The main thing that caused the blood to drip from him as he's praying is he was about to drink the wrath of God for you so that you could drink the cup of blessing. So I could drink the cup of blessing that he purchased. And so we need to remember this. We need to remember that God promises to bless this means of grace. Like we don't have to manufacture something new. We don't have to get up here and, and do some big skid and have flash and light, do, do anything to manufacture anything. He has given us his word. He says he will bless this means of grace. He will build us up by the word of his grace. We don't have to manufacture new methods to bring people into the kingdom. And we don't have to manufacture new methods to help us grow. Do we believe God will do what he said he will do? Paul said, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. How will they call on him in whom they've never heard? Or how will they call on him in whom they've not believed? How are they to believe in him in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? And then he says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And so really, this is what I want to leave you with today. I want, I want you to hold me accountable to preach the good news. And also accountability in my life. My life, I want to live my life as one who is pursuing holiness. And I want to be able to do the same in your life. I want to encourage you with the gospel. I want to walk with you and help you grow in Christ. And so, may we be a church that has beautiful feet. Not because we you know, got the pedicure down at the Alluvian, though that's, hey, that's great if you want to do that, but because we carry the gospel to a lost and dying world, that we drink deeply from the wells of his grace as we meditate on Jesus and his work, his life, death, and resurrection on our behalf. And we want to fight the good fight. We want to keep precise doctrine and teach precise doctrine, but we want to love our neighbor as ourself in the process. They can't be divorced from one another. They go hand in hand. And so may we be a church, Westminster, that pursues that fight together. Let's pray. Um, Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for a reminder, um, a reminder that there is a battle that's going on that is waging war for our souls. An enemy who seeks to destroy us, to sift us like wheat, to destroy our faith. But Lord, we remember your prayer for your disciples, just as you prayed for Peter, that his faith would not fail. None can pluck us from your hand. And so, Lord, though we see these warnings and we need to heed them, we also need to remember the promise that no one can take us from your hand, that all the Father has given to you will come to you and you will cast out none of those. And so may we remember this. May we worship you. 
in spirit and in truth and love our neighbor as ourselves. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.